Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. Hosted by Nick Morowski and Pat Hester. Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, episode one. 65. I am Nick Morawski, and this is a fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. You can find it everywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be talking White Sox with you as spring training has wrapped up and the Sox turn their focus uh, to opening day in Detroit. Lots to get through on this episode. Uh, but first, let me bring in my co-host, Pat Hester. Hello, sir. Nick, how do you even say have a voice at this point? You've been podcasting, <laughs> skied, addling all over the place. You are a busy man these days, all over social media. Mm-hmm. I don't know when. Have you slept? You know, I do. I do sleep. But you know I love coffee, buddy. Um, oh, good Lord, yes. And I will drink coffee at all hours. Um you know, I'll have it uh, in maybe in the evening. I'll have like a 5 p.m. cup. Sometimes it could even be <laughs> you around have a 5 p.m. cup. So, <laughs> what does a 5 p.m. cup of coffee look like for a Nick Morales? It, it's just is it uh, any different than than black as night? <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always black. You know, uh-huh. I don't put any cream and sugar, any of that stuff in there. But I would I'll do like a, a Keurig pod, which gives you like three three quarters of a mug. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. It, instead of making a pot, like, uh, like in the morning, well, I'll do yeah. a few mugs before I fill up a Yeti and then head to, to work. <laughs> an actual Yeti. Like, not, like you, you put it in like a, a yeah. carved out actual yeah. Yeti. And that's how much coffee this man consumes. I, I drink a lot of coffee, but I, you know, I'm loving it. Uh, really appreciate all the folks that have uh, been tuning into Locked On uh, White Sox. Uh, this has been my first week. Got a few more episodes uh, leading you up into opening day this week, and it's uh, it's been pretty awesome to bring my my passion on a daily basis, Pat. Yeah, it's been great so far. Love to listen. Great uh, last episode. If you if you haven't checked out today's episode, do so before the uh, the official you know day has turned a page. Because you run over and, and talk about uh, the, the rest of the division with some great experts from the other lockdown stations and gives a nice perspective of what we're walking into. The nice thing is it seems like, you know, consensus is this is still the Sox division to lose, um, even from other folks that are fans of other teams. But uh, those there's teams out there, Nick, that are, are, are really where we were maybe two years ago. And we really have to watch out for them because they're going to compete with us. It's not going to be, they're not going to be doormats, right? So it was a great show, great episode. I encourage everybody to check it out, subscribe. And if you can't get enough Nick Morowski in your life, as I can't, <laughs> you know, I can't, I, I have to do this show with you and I listen to you. It's yeah. like you, you've invaded my whole life and it's a wonderful thing. I've subscribed well, to Nick Morowski. There, there you go. It uh, could be a brand. Uh, it's just a fun team this year to want to talk about, you know, and I hope that stays true. We, we, we think it will as we get into predictions and kind of uh, discussing uh, the beginnings of 2022, the regular season. But you're right. Um, you know, as I talk to other folks, fans of uh, teams throughout the AL Central, like, you know, aside from honestly the guardians you know everybody else is is they're liking where they're at yeah. uh the twins and indian I'm, I'm sorry the twins and tigers especially like where they're at and the tigers mm-hmm. definitely feel like oh, yeah. they can compete um they they really do and 
uh, hey, they've thrown some money around. They've made some deals. They've been aggressive. Uh, we, we were paying attention to them last year, and we're mm-hmm. going to see them uh, the first three games of the regular season. The first 21 games okay, in April. Uh, out of those first 21 games, 13 of them are against AL Central teams. So we're going to see the Central quite a bit uh, this spring. Yeah, Nick, and we talk about it. We've talked about the last three seasons, right, that we've been doing this together. It's just how important it is to get off to a strong start. We uh, we were on a show last night, and uh, and we talked about you know how how anxious or what stock do you put into these early games. I put stock more into you know how the team is playing and how they look more so than you know if they're four or five games over five hundred, if they're you know five and five after ten, but playing good ball. I'm I'm okay with that. I can live with that because I know that the run is in them to be better and the wins will come. I know that you're going to be hanging on every pitch and every win and every loss early on. And I get your point. Your point is always, you, know, you look back at last year, we're hoping that Houston loses games at the end of the year when, you know, we let games slip away in April. So you, you, these wins are all important. They all count. I get all that. So um, I know that, you know, both of I, both of us will look at it a little bit differently, but you look at it with a little bit more sense of urgency on the wins early on than, than maybe I do. Well, I look at uh, it's a sense of urgency because you can you could steal some wins. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk weather quite a bit, you know, and this is when I start, uh, you know, watching the weather leading up to games, uh, especially when the Sox are out of town. And obviously it's not a dome situation, which it'll be in Detroit. They're dealing with, you know, Midwest conditions. Uh, what usually we're dealing with, they're dealing with around the same time. And, yep. um, you know, it's cold, damp, dreary. And playing 13 of your first 21 games against the Central, uh, obviously you're going to be at home too for a lot of those games. Uh, you're going to be dealing with sloppy conditions in April. Yep. And that's when I think the pitching can shine. Yeah. Uh, the, the bats haven't warmed up quite yet. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not seeing the arms are in, in, in peak uh, season form either, but if you could steal some wins, you know, there's going to be some ugly wins. You scrap a few mm-hmm. and you know, you, you start stockpiling those because you're going to run into some lows. And when everybody's feeling good in June, July, August, you know, uh, you can maybe feel a little bit more comfortable because you know you took advantage. It, it went your way in yeah. April and May, but in general, Pat, you know I hang on every single pitch. Yeah. You know every single game. Uh, I I die a thousand deaths um, and in multiple different ways, and that's just how I'm wired. And I know there's folks that are listening, you know, are wired the same way. But I also know there's folks that treat it more like a marathon, and they're able to take a maybe more calmer approach. And, and that's how it is. You know, you fan how you want to fan. The beauty of it is you get to be a fan. It's coming up and, yeah. you know, we, we get to enjoy um, a, a, what's going to be a very fun season. The Sox are going to be defending their AL Central title, Pat. Uh, they have never won back-to-back division titles. And we really feel like that is going to change. And what potentially could um, help the Sox get those that back-to-back title is that we now have an actual right fielder uh yeah. we've got we've got an outfielder okay mm-hmm. so, so since the last time we talked um aj pollock has been brought to the white Sox for craig kimbrell we'll, we'll talk pollock first and then we'll get to the departure of kimbrell but uh, uh here's a guy that is a, a natural outfielder he's played 
mainly in center field and in left field. So right field is going to be slightly new to him. Uh, he's 34 years old. Uh, he's been playing for the Dodgers as of late. Had a, had a great 2021, um, a great postseason. Brings a lot of postseason ex experience. What were your initial thoughts, Pat, when the deal went down and you heard uh, that Kimbrel's finally gone, something we've been kind of toying with since November, and that A.J. Pollock is the return? Well, you get a professional outfielder, Nick. That's that was the the nice part about it. Now, AJ Pollock isn't the superstar outfielder that you and I had pined over. It wasn't the big name, the Chris Bryant's of the world. It wasn't the Castellanos of the world. I, I, I has anybody uh, signed uh, what's his face and who's it's what's that nobody's <laughs> talked about from the Mets? That yeah, that, Conforto is still that, out. Has there. he find has he found a home yet? I mean, the the man. My goodness. Uh, for as much as we talked about Michael Conforto, I mean, the man is nowhere to be found. So uh, I think that's very interesting still and odd all at the same time. I was very happy with it, Nick. I I don't know, and, and maybe you could help. You played the game, maybe not from an outfield <laughs> position, but uh, you did play the game. I, I didn't. I would imagine, even though he played the majority of his games uh, in center field, and I think it was only five or six games in right field in his career, I would imagine the transition isn't going to be that hard given that center field is probably the most difficult of the three positions to play in the outfield. It'll be mainly just figuring out the angles off the bat and how to, you know, uh, you know, dig balls out of the corner type thing like that. I think as a, a professional athlete and a professional outfielder, it won't be as difficult for him as it would be for, say, you know, an Andrew Vaughn who's a first baseman. Yeah, yeah, that's a great uh, point. You know, James Fegan of The Athletic uh, asked A.J. Pollock some of those questions, namely, you know, what are your thoughts about playing right field? And he said, you know, I just need to get a couple reps under my belt. I'll be good. It's really no big deal. And, of course, he's going to say that. He wants to assure fans. He wants to assure the organization, you know, I got this. And, yeah, of course, I think he's going to pick it up much quicker than a Gavin Sheets or an Andrew Vaughn would uh, the thing I'm going to be looking at, and I think that A.J. Pollock is going to have to do his homework on, is, is he's a lifelong National Leaguer. So mm -hmm. he's going to be seeing so many stadiums for the absolute first time uh, at, a, at a new position. I mean, heck, he hasn't even seen what Sox Park looks like in right field. Mm -hmm. You know, so Robert's going to cover a, a ton of ground in center field, which is which is great. Um, I think, you know, Pollock's going to be fine. He might not have the strongest arm out there in right field. Um, but I think, again, he just gives you um, the understanding of what that position needs and, and how to maybe read the corners, how to go to school, you know, uh, when a ball is slicing from a, from a left-hander bat to a, a right-hander bat. Uh, I'm more confident in him, yeah, being able to pick that up than just some, you know, some guy we were going to throw out there that wasn't a natural outfielder. And uh, it's a big deal, Pat. It, it yeah. really is. And I, and I like to see two 21 home runs. And I say that because, you know, 21 home runs is, you know, it's, it's a nice number. It's not uh, eye popping by any means, but 21 home runs playing in Dodger stadium for the most part. I mean, that's not easy to do. The ball really dies out there at night in Chavez ravine. So to, to hit the number of home runs he has is encouraging. You think that would at least be equaled on the South side in the summer where the ball really jumps. Yeah. It's uh, it, we're, we're coming into this season with so much excitement and, 
not only are we we've got these uh, these World Series aspirations, but it's really the first time in a very long time where we as a fan base have been excited uh, about the addition of an outfielder. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I I took some notes and jotted down some previous uh, starting right fielders. So these were right fielders on opening day. Uh, for the past several years. Should I get years. like a barf bag prepared for when you read this list? Or am, Yeah, I mean. Should just, I suck my thumb and get in the fetal position? Yeah, maybe put your wallet in your mouth or something or a wooden <laughs> spoon. Um, I don't want you to you know bite down and swallow your tongue or anything. Uh, 2021, so last year, of course, we had Adam Eaton starting out in right field for us. That did not last very long. Uh, in 2020, Nikki Delmonico started in right field. And then uh, Nomar Mazzara had a lot of opportunities as well. In 2019, uh, Daniel Polka started the season uh, in right field. Oh, incredible. And Polka. then uh, in 2018 and 2017, you had Avi Garcia. And it's interesting that we bring up our Avi Garcia because I think if we had our choice before the AJ Pollock situation, a lot of Sox fans would have said, you know what? Let's just go back to the beginning. Let's just go get Avi Garcia. I mean, honestly, like you don't know uh, what you're missing until it's gone. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he made a career. He he did well for himself in Milwaukee and then, and then got paid from uh, the Marlins. So, you know, will you see Adam Engel still? I, I think so, you know, but uh, in the last five years, Angle has started in right field only 35 times. A lot of that is because he just can't, you know, he can't stay on the field. Started 140 games in 2018 in center field, and he's only played in 39. He only played in 39 games uh, last season. Um, in five years, Adam Engel has only played in over 100 games once. Um it's a real shame, Nick, because yeah. I mean, he's, he's got a world of talent, especially defensively. And, and we've seen some of the flashes and, and, you know, movement into this, you know, better offensive player at times where it, it was so much so that you and I had talked about, why don't we just start Adam Engel? Why don't we just start Adam Engel? And he just cannot prove to this organization that he can stay on the field and stay healthy. His legs betray him more times than not. And it's unfortunate because they're also his biggest gift. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to see Lurie Garcia maybe out there a little bit. Um, Sheets uh, and Vaughn might still get some looks. Um, I don't know how often that's going to be. Uh, you know, Pollock those, is those had, Sundays. That's, that's, yeah. When happen, oh, those Sunday, Sunday lineups. Oh <laughs> boy. I can't wait for those, those getaway day lineups. Uh, especially if we take the first two in the series. Oh you know, yes. That third you game. know, it's, it's yeah. uh, put it in the bag. Yeah. Uh, maybe even Danny Mendick out there. Who knows? Oh, and some of those games. Yeah. Uh, Dancing with dubs. Yeah. I, Pollock, you know, he has had his health issues too. Um, so we'll see what we can get. But, you know, it's exciting that, uh, you know, Kimbrell finally gone and they they bring a, a proven outfielder. So mm-hmm. Kimbrell was a guy that I just didn't see. Uh, pitching for the White Sox in 2022 at all. Um, after the comments that Han made in November that were very transparent, mm-hmm. very anti-Han, uh, the big quote you know that I wanted to jot down to make sure we talk about 
uh, happened, uh, you know, early November. And this is Han talking about Kimbrell. It's probably easier to project him in that role where he's had that success rather than how he was used by us. Uh, and said he just wants to win talking about Kimbrell and is willing to fulfill whatever role our club has in mind it didn't work out the way we wanted last year so perhaps there's a better use of his skills now uh, than how we were doing it Uh, so we have to reconsider his usage with us versus a potential trade. I mean, that, that said it all to me, you know, it, you it, it almost, it, it did Nick, but you had to believe when he said that he was so confident that he was going to move off of him. Maybe it took a little bit longer. Maybe the, the lockout didn't help all of that installed some of that momentum that maybe that was building towards moving him. But I think, I mean, it was almost a foregone conclusion. That's I, Rick doesn't say that stuff. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think unless he was like, at the one yard line and you're ready to, you know, just do a quarterback sneak and and get a touchdown. So uh, uh, that's what I have to believe anyway. Yeah. I, I, yeah, again, it it just, it's all about finding the right partner. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Dodgers lost a closer and and Jansen, he signed elsewhere. And maybe it's because the Dodgers and Sox shared the same facility. I mean, you Mm -hmm. could, you could, you could look into that. Um, Kimbrell, you know, go ahead. Pat. No, and I, and I was just going to say kudos to the, the organization for moving Kimbrell to a team that's going to contend and, and has an opportunity to win the World Series because, you know, regardless of what Sox fans think of Craig Kimbrell, he is a future Hall of Famer. He is a fantastic closer. He just was a man without a, a spot for us, and it didn't work for whatever reason. He couldn't get over the mental hurdle. And it's good that the organization was able to move him to a contender and didn't move him, you know, like uh, to the guardians, let's say. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, I'll be keeping eyes on Kimbrell as I will with Rodon. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, Kimbrell's debut uh, with the Dodgers. I think it was a third of an inning, four earned runs, uh, a double, two home runs, a walk and a strikeout. So uh, no, I, I don't remember if he was in the eighth inning or if that was like the ninth inning, his preferred. Um, I'm was sure. Wrong? Was that frowned <laughs> upon? Should I have not done that? Pull a George Costanza yeah. off the mound. Yeah, I, you know, there was just was something up. There, there was something going on with him, and I just felt it was between the ears. And I, I feel like the closer position, the specialized bullpen position, is so specific you know it is uh, it's a different beast yeah and you know it it, you you hear this from other relievers when they talk candidly about what it's like and they want to be in the pressure it's a very bizarre we we can't understand that as mere mortals so what kimbrell seeks in in the ninth inning perhaps game on the line and he just he didn't feel that for whatever reason in the seventh or eighth and and the we saw what happened mm-hmm. the results the results were there for us uh very disappointing so i guess in a way you're looking at uh nick madrigal for aj pollock is that can you think about it that way <laughs> yeah nicky barrels is that what, what his new nickname is i, I see on twitter that yeah you know thanks socks all the cubs fans mm-hmm. yeah um I guess, I guess that's how it all works out and all shakes out. And, you know, again, in in the end, it it was a need that was 
fulfilled for both teams. Both need teams got what they needed, you know, and you, you kind of hope that both teams uh, in kind of a win-win situation in this, uh, in this, not that I really care about what the Dodgers do. You know, if he, if he, you know, falls flat on his face in, in LA, I guess I don't really care, but you know, you'd like to be able to, uh, have a, a good business partner with uh, a team like the Dodgers that just has talent and always stockpiled. So hopefully that's a win-win and you can go back to that well again if you need to make a trade in the future. Yeah, I, I really don't care what happens to Kimbrell. Um, I, I really don't. Um, it's we. I think we we got a need, and you know. But if it works for them, mm-hmm. and Kimbrell does return to form, then it's a great trade both ways. Yeah. Um, it, it really is. Now, the news that I thought that happened around the same time as the Pollock Kimbrell deal, it was really a big deal for me. Uh, Garrett Crochet out with Tommy John surgery. Yeah. Uh, he joins a long list of White Sox arms over the last uh, several years uh, that have had Tommy John surgery. We were looking for, you know, some big innings from Garrett Crochet this year. One yeah. of our only fireballers, uh, left-handed, you know, fireballers out of the bullpen, thinking maybe he's going to transition into a starter role next year. Not sure really what the Sox were going to do, uh, but what a great weapon uh, mm-hmm. coming out of the bullpen. And, you know, this really screws things up, you know, down the line. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts and feelings uh, hearing the news of the crochet situation? You know, to say I was shocked, I, I, I wasn't. It doesn't, it doesn't shock me. I, maybe it's because I, I've just kind of become numb to when Sox players get injured over the last couple of years. I become numb to, to pitchers going down and having, you know, Tommy John and being not available. Don't, don't even think about him for a year and a half. Really? Let's just put him out of your mind type of thing. Um, I, I don't know. That's how I felt, Nick. I, I felt numb. I'm I'm disappointed, but it's like, okay, it's next man up mentality. And it's unfortunate because it, it's a left-handed, you know, guy out of the bullpen that again, you you talked about, we were going to rely on. You're thinking about how these games are going to be shortened from a bullpen perspective. And you've got it lined up from a, a crochet or a bummer, maybe not all in this order, but you know what I'm saying? And, and you had it kind of figured out how you're going to attack each game and, and and now that changes your 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 plan changes and that's okay. I think the pen overall is still a very you know probably the probably the best weapon that our our team has is the bullpen still even without crochet and even with you know moving on from Kimbrel. I think it's still the 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 you know the the shining star of of the entire team in my opinion. And I think it's because that's how the manager is going to use that piece that much. He loves using the bullpen in a certain way. And uh, it's going to hurt. It's going to sting a little bit. But again, ultimately, I'm not surprised. And again, it's because I go back to last year and I've mentioned it a couple of times. The velocity just wasn't what it was when he first came up. When you're losing five miles an hour, there's and it doesn't seem like he ever reared back and found 100 plus at all. I I don't know. He probably did. I'm sure he did. But it just didn't seem like there was ever there consistently in short spurts like uh, you'd like to see from a, a reliever. Yeah, we lose some balance uh, for sure in the bullpen. I, he was a very uh, he was a specialized uh, reliever. I think he had you know four, uh, fifty four games, fifty four innings. He he came in for you know you know tight jams, getting out a couple strikeouts if we can get it. 
Um, you know, he, he just, yeah, he, he was off a little bit last year, but I don't know. You, you think it maybe some, it was the adrenaline of 2020 and he maybe. really wanted to, you really wanted to prove himself and he settled more into what he was actually going to be like in 2021, which is still, I think, very dangerous and could be very effective. Um, so, you know, the, anytime somebody goes under the knife for Tommy John, I know they've gotten this surgery so great and you come back almost stronger, but, uh, you know, you we're looking at a guy like Kopech that they've really eased, you know, yeah. they've really, you know, and, and the fact that there's even going to be limits on Kopech potentially this year, um, is difficult to comprehend. So, uh, no Garrett Crochet this year. Uh, and, and now Lynn, Lance Lynn is sidelined, Pat, mm-hmm. uh, with a knee procedure. Um, I think he's getting a procedure this week. Uh, he'll be out for about four weeks, and then it's going to take about four weeks to build him back up. So maybe we're not seeing Lance Lynn back in the rotation until mid-May. Uh, I You talked a, a lot about it on the upcoming Locked on Socks uh, episode. It really it hits me uh, in a powerful way. I I just feel like, you know, pitching carried the White Sox for so much of the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe with a healthy offense, things will kind of balance themselves out in the spring. But you know me, and I know I'm not the only one. It's pitching, 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 go get more pitching. And we had some question marks in in you know, Keuchel, question marks and Kopech, but you felt like Giolito, Lynn, and Cease were going to be rock solid. Those are your cornerstones. Absolutely. And to lose Lance Lynn for, hopefully it is, only just eight weeks, um, it's really disappointing. Yeah, and I think it's a little bit disappointing coming off the fact, and again, not the same injury, because, you know, we've been told it's not the same thing with the knee as it was last year, but... You know, I mean, Lance Lynn subscribes to the same health plan I do, right? He, he's and and I have a knee that aches me once in a while, and I'm not a professional athlete trying to you know throw a 95 mile an hour fastball and putting a lot of torque on my knee every five days. I'm I'm a little bit disappointed that he didn't look, and I believe he had some an achy back situation too, if I'm yeah, if memory serves sure. last year. So backs and knees and being overweight doesn't really help, Nick. I know he wants to be at a certain weight because he feels the power, and it always makes me think of the the Chris Farley uh, sketch from SNL when he was the the <laughs> figure skater. <laughs> what does the weight gain provided him? The power, and I, I just I just am a little bit disappointed. Maybe he didn't take the conditioning that he joked about a little bit more seriously and try and get some of that weight off the joints in his lower half. I'd like to see him maybe think about doing something a little bit different. Not that he's got to drop 70 pounds, but can you drop about 20, 25, give yourself a little bit of, uh, of, you know, relief. Yeah. I I hear what you're saying. Yeah. This is all, you know, obviously speculation by us, um, but flexibility, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's the ability to, that's your push off leg Mm -hmm. and to, to get the power, that power comes from your lower half. And if that knee is already barking and there's problems, then I don't know, maybe it just wasn't a hundred percent. I don't know. It didn't heal properly. Who knows? Um, but that worries me now because now, now it's a second issue with the knee. I know it's not exactly the same, but um, you know, you, every start you're going to be watching, yeah. you know, you're going to look for any grimace. You're going to yeah. look for any, any, 
you know, when he touches a knee or something or straightens up or, mm-hmm. um, but you know, that's baseball and every team is going to be dealing with these types of issues. Um, we just can't afford any more injuries, uh, on the pitching front. We just yeah. can't, uh, well, and the silver lining with this, and I'm not the, this is not an original thought by Pat Hester, but I think I texted you possibly after it happened is, uh, let's look at this as possibly a silver lining that he now can, save himself for the for the stretch run if you will if he's not coming back probably to full strength until late may early june probably until he's really rearing back and and back to normal form um that's you know maybe we save a, a some some wear and tear on that arm and and we've got the better version of Lance Lynn going into the postseason than we saw at the back half of last year yeah yeah that's that's true you know uh that's where uh, a guy, you know, that they took a, a chance on here, Johnny Cueto, um, signed him to a minor league deal. I, you know, I don't know what you're going to get out of him uh, at the big league level in April and May. I don't know uh, what you're going to get out of Lopez and Velasquez and, you know, uh, Keuchel, but, you know, all hands on deck. Because mm-hmm. if we can, you know, if we can weather, you know, some storms literally and figuratively in April and May, uh, which is exactly what we were saying last year at this time about <laughs> the offense. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. You know, we lose Aloy and, um, you know, Robert and, you know, Grant at moments. We could just stay above water and wait for these guys to come back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we sure, we sure did that. So I, I'm, I'm really interested to see with a healthy offensive lineup, like how will that pair with a little bit of a porous, a starting pitching staff, uh, but you do have to go back to the fact that the bullpen, despite the crochet injury, uh, I like the bullpen. It's a strong bullpen, and there's always a few surprising arms that come into a season. Um, it's just how the relief situation works. There's always a couple wild cards that shine. Yeah, and and Nick, you know, I think it was we talked about it maybe last night when we were we were on a, on another podcast, and you know that. I think the Sox averaged just over four runs a game last year with, and you mentioned it with guys in and out injured in that lineup. I think it was, you know, maybe a half a dozen or a dozen times when we had our full lineup, the way we had, you know, envisioned it from spring training actually on the field at the same time. And still we're to have, you know, about four plus runs a game and, and be, you know, a, a top five or so team, I think in the American league in, in terms of scored runs. So you would like to think that you can do better than that this year. And you might have to, you might have to win games differently this year than you did last year. And that's okay. As long as the, the wins are there, you just might be, you know, not as dominant and starting pitching front as you were last year for most of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, all is not lost. Uh, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of excitement with Giolito and Cease, uh, definitely. But it, it's just a real bummer to have one of your horses uh, go down. Uh, speaking of horses, uh, Zach Collins has been traded, Pat, to the Toronto Blue Jays for Reese McGuire. Uh, basically, um, Toronto's perhaps version of Zach Collins we have now uh, accepted. And the, <laughs> we've accepted it. The, we've accepted your garbage. Take our garbage. I mean, well, who knows what you're going to see from Reese McGuire? I think they are uh, pretty high on this backup catcher, Nick uh, Shufo. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knows what's going to happen with Zavala? Um, I think Zavala is out of options. Is that right? 
So, yes, I believe uh, so. Uh, we'll we'll see mm-hmm. what happens with him. But the Zach Collins era, Pat, uh, it's over. He was a top 10 pick, uh, 10th overall, actually, 2016. Makes his debut in 2019. Uh, in three years, uh, Collins hit uh, 195, hmm. slugged 330, and had seven home runs in three seasons. I'm surprised he had seven. Uh, I mean, that seems high. So you were not a fan of Zach Collins at all, nor was I, but I feel like you were a, uh, you really despised him. Well, I didn't. I mean, I don't despise many people, Nick. I don't <laughs> despise the man, but um, I think it was, you know, really what what did he do well? I, I kept waiting for something he did well. I was told that he was going to be a left-handed. I mean, we even talked at one point, Nick, when he was still in the minors, we talked about him being a DH on this team because mm-hmm. we were of told yeah. left-handed power, left-handed power. It's like, well, he can't catch. Why don't we just have him come up in DH if he's got all this left-handed power and we've desperately need left-handed power as we've I've always been told we got to have it so there's a guy there that's left-handed and supposedly has power but we never saw it uh, I yeah. never saw it I, I don't know why but it, it just it was never there it's it almost like he couldn't even run into one on accident so he, it wasn't he, he didn't do that well he wasn't a great defensive catcher it wasn't like he could throw out a bunch of runners so what what did he do well and and maybe it was Maybe it's a, a change of scenery for him. Maybe it's a reset button for him. And I wish him well. I, I don't want him to to fail or or do poorly anywhere else. But you know, it it's something he needs something different. Maybe a, a different coach, a different message. Maybe it's the same message, just spoken differently from somebody else, a different voice, whatever it is. It wasn't working here. And maybe it was a pressure thing for him. Maybe he put so much on himself to be the guy or, or he had to do it because he was such a high pick and he, he put a lot of pressure. I have no idea, but it, whatever it was, it didn't work here. Yeah, it, it, sh- it sure didn't. Um, yeah, I, I go back to the offensive promise and, you know, it, it almost, um, you know, I felt like they were not high on his catching from the beginning. Yeah. And uh, he's kind of a work in progress. He's, he's a framing better. Yeah. And you just don't want to hear that yeah. uh, with a, with a 10th pick overall. Um, but when I kept hearing about his bad and this mm-hmm. lefty power bad, and mm-hmm. we're going to love him. Uh, and, you know, he, he saw moments at DH, of course, and in, in, in first base a little bit. And I mean, we, we talked, Pat, and I know fans realize this, his defense was just, a problem last mm-hmm. year it just felt like pitchers did not have faith in him and i think maybe they just weren't as honest because you just can't be completely honest and say that i don't have any faith in my catcher mm-hmm. but um you, you just saw it you know breaking pitches um off-speed stuff in the dirt uh, i had no faith that that was going to be blocked and good luck trying to throw a runner out yeah uh, that wasn't happening well um, shame on the organization to our yeah. organization for yeah. that matter nick that is in need of quality players at picks when you're picking that high. I mean, there's a reason why you're picking that high. You needed people in your organization to build around. You cannot be taking high ceiling project guys. You need to take the best, you like almost no brainer pick. Don't overthink it. And, and I hate it when any of the teams I root for do this and go, oh, but he's got such a high ceiling. We think we can do this with them. No, don't do that. Do the simple dumb thing that says this person is going to be this for you do. And, and I listened to your, your locked on socks podcast uh, this morning, Nick on the way in and the gentleman that covers the guardians, 
you know, and, and talking about how they draft pitching and they're going to do this and this and this and what, whatever those metrics are, that's what we're going to draft. And look what the guardians always put out there year after year after year, quality starting pitchers because they follow a model of drafting guys. That's what you need to do when you're picking high in drafts, not, Oh, I think we can, I can see him doing something else. No, you haven't seen him do it now. Why do you think you're going to envision and project him out to do something else? I don't get it. If you're, stack team and you think, Oh, I'm a, we can take this guy and put him in the lab and do something cool and creative with him. Fine. Do that. You can be, have fun with it when you're stacked, but don't do it when you're, you're, you know, deprived of talent already. It's just stupid and irresponsible. Yeah. You, you look at some of the draft picks that we had um, throughout the rebuilding year, some of those high picks and uh, we have no homegrown talent in the starting rotation uh, right now. Uh, Madrigal's gone, Birdie's gone, Alec Hansen, Dane Dunning gone, uh, Collins now gone. Uh, the, the guy, you know, Garrett Crochet injured, it, it's Andrew Vaughn, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's the guy that we're looking to hit. And you think about all of these teams that tank, um, you know, that, that have failed for a few years, had gotten great draft picks. And they've used those draft picks when they finally came up to be successful mm-hmm. and, and to win a World Series and, and to be competitive for multiple years. And this might be for another podcast or might this might just be a continuing thread. But where are those guys for the Sox? Where are those guys that they they, they really thought were going to be, man, this is going to be the new cornerstone. This is going to be the future. I mean, they're gone. Yeah. I mean, it's over. And, well, we've done uh, it all through trades and, and acquiring other teams. Oh, the classic Chicago and, White Sox way. Yeah, and, and but this time it's worked, right? It's it's worked. You know, I I, w- I would argue with that though, Nick. The classic White Sox way is let's bring in the the guy for the circus. Here's here's somebody we've wanted that's way past their prime. Let's try and get lightning in a bottle and sell some tickets because of it. So this this isn't fitting that mold. This isn't the Ken Griffey Jr. This isn't the Manny Ramirez. This isn't those types of signings that the, the Sox have traditionally done. The teardown and how things have been flipped, I give Han a ton of credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when we're looking at, okay, your, your prospects didn't hit, your draft picks didn't really hit, like, like let's spend some money then and, and acquire talent. And, and now the White Sox ways to like, well, you know, we'll just try to trade for an arm uh, because we didn't spend the money in free agency. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's what I'm talking about with yeah. that. No, you're right. You're right there. So the opening day starter has been decided. Uh, Lucas Giolito is going to get the nod, of course. Um, Cease, I believe, will get the ball game two. Kopech game three. Uh, and then I think we're going to either get Lopez or Velasquez uh, for the home opener, Pat. Let's- and then I think Keichel. Um, dare, dare I say, can we pray for to see Ronaldo Lopez as our home opening day star? Wow, think about Did what I you're ever, saying there. What in the world? What what universe? I know you're not a Marvel fan, Nick, but yeah. there's a lot of multiverse things coming out with Marvel these days. I don't know what multiverse I'm currently living in where I'm talking about wanting Ronaldo Lopez to be my home opener starter. But that's what I'm hoping for, because I believe what I saw last year can be repeated and his peepers are working. His mm-hmm. eyes are there. He yeah. can see things now. And I, I think he feels better on the mound. So 
let's uh, let's hope for that and not a Dallas Keuchel on on the home opener because or or the on the other hand, Nick, we might see them both anyway because Keuchel is going to only go a, about a third of an inning. <laughs> yeah, you might get a you might get a hybrid. Uh, you actually might. Um, yeah, who knows, man? Uh, I, I'm I'm happy with the the top two. I'm really excited to see Kopech. You know, pitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I, I still don't think we know what we have in him. And it's yeah. six years uh, after almost five and a half since the trade. Yeah. You know, and we still don't really know what we're getting out of Kopech. We, we well, saw there were times him. last year, Nick, that he was absolutely stunning. Sure. And, and oh, well, yeah. not just times, there were a lot of times his ERA and his, his electric, it went up only because of a handful of games. I mean, there was the rest of the time. 90% of the time he was, he was, it was exactly that electric and it was fun to watch. And it was almost like, you know, stop what you're doing and make sure you're not uh, distracted by anything and make sure you're watching Michael Kopech pitch. Yeah. Now we get to see that on a more consistent basis for a longer time period, hopefully. And, and hopefully the, the innings are managed properly that we can really get the best version of him also as we're making the playoff push. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting watch as much as, we're all looking for a healthy Robert to see what he can do for a full season. Uh, Jimenez, what he can do for a full season. Uh, eyes are going to be on Kopech. They really are. Because mm-hmm. um, he has, we keep hearing, you know, he's got so much potential. And after about five and a half years, we're, we might actually see it th- mm-hmm. this, this season. Um, so exciting uh, stuff here with opening day uh, right around the corner. Sox wrapped up their spring training uh, going nine and 10, uh, last year in 2021, if you are counting or, or thinking about, uh, spring training records, the Sox were 12 and 12, uh, in spring training. Uh, it's just for me right now, just get healthy, get out of there mm-hmm. and, um, get, get, get focused on Detroit and beyond. Uh, so I was thinking, Pat, we do just a few predictions, you know, nothing too, uh, out of control, but maybe just start thinking, you know, let's put some numbers on some stuff. For okay. This All right. How about you? No, let's make it, let's do a, let's make some bets and wagers. You and I, let's do some fun okay. stuff with this. Okay. Let's put some, uh, let's put something on the line here, Nick. Okay. Let's um, let's see whoever's closest with all these predictions at the end of the year, you know, maybe actually fulfills, you know, a, a bet that they say they're going to buy a Rodon jersey and actually come to fruition. <laughs> I think that that got altered slightly. Um, and I think you it really was, need it, the intern that you're going to hire it, eventually it ended up, to write these <laughs> things down for us. It ended up turning into if he if he resigned with the Sox, I think I was going. Oh, all that's in right. On the, oh, on that's the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you threw that little caveat and you put an asterisk and you you start it and underlined it and highlighted it if he resigns. Got it. Understood. Right. You got off. The I have. <laughs> I've got uh, some some questions for you, and okay. we're gonna work our way towards you know record and and kind of how far does this team go and all of that stuff. But just uh, you know. Wanted to talk uh, some bet online odds. I was going on betonline.net and I looked at some of White Sox uh, over-unders and wanted to ask you a couple of these. Um, the over-under for Luis Robert home runs is set at 30 and a half. Are you taking the over or under? Oh, gosh, I would take the over on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I and 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 maybe it's just because you know you you want to see it, but I think if we're talking a, a guy that's going to be talked about in the MVP, you know, race as as a lot of people are, 
I would have to imagine it's going to be more than 30 home runs. Yeah, I, I'm in the same uh, thinking uh, there. Now, for Jimenez, it's the same number. Oh, my uh, gosh, over way 30, over. 30 point. I think that's way over, too. Nick, we really should be pooling our, our I'm telling you, guys, folks, bet, betonline.net. I, I really think those are shoe and bets, man. Those are those are bets that need to be made. Um, so let's go pitching side. Lucas Giolito, the line is set for 12 and a half wins over under on 12 oh and a gosh, half wins. I hate wins, Nick. I, know, I, I mean, let's, I know. let's be honest. I mean, we had this conversation last year and I think the line was maybe 13 or 14. It was around the number. Book. Yeah. And, and I think both of us said way over because we were talking about Lucas Giolito. He had 11 wins and, last year. Giolito. Yeah, yeah. And we, and it was like, I'd hate to be putting a, a dollar amount down, but 11 seems really low. Boy, does that seem low? I'd have to go over on that too. Well, last year was 11. This year, the over under is 12 and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. 12 and a half. Even that 12 and a half seems low. I, it I, does I'll, seem low. I'll, I'll say over on that. Jeez, that hook though gets me. All right. I'll, I'll go well, 12 and a half and over. Well, I, let me also just remind you that cease, you know, he had the most wins on our staff last year at 13. So that's maybe where that 12 and a half is coming from. It's just such a different game, Nick, you know, than yeah. it was when, when you and I were, when you and I were actually young, this uh, is uh, the most like metric minded. I think you are is when it comes to pitching wins. Like we are, <laughs> we are so focused still on average. <laughs> on any podcast talking about pitcher wins, by the way, Nick. <laughs> probably everybody. Probably, else but you and I right now, and they're like, oh, you, Lord. And, you and I talk a lot of average and RBI still. Uh, and you're like, oh, no way. We can't talk wins anymore. You're, 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 this is the most advanced uh, oh, you are here. The most advanced metric that Pat yep. looks at is yeah. pitcher wins. All right, um, I'll go over. What the hell? Okay. Are you going uh, over? Did, what did you, I didn't hear. What oh, I'm going to go over. I'm okay. going to definitely right. go over. Um, yeah. Now, here, here's a fun one. Uh, Dallas Keuchel total wins. <laughs> You can't even get through it with a, a I know. Face. I can't. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the over-under number set at nine. Nine? Nine wins oh, for Dallas Keuchel. Where you? <laughs> I don't remember. Now, and this is where I don't this remember stems him from. pitching nine times. So this is, this is where it stems from. He started 30 games last year, Pat. He was nine and nine last no, year. No, I remember every nightmare of 30 <laughs> games that he started. I think I have the Rolodex of texts from oh, you. What a, what a, what a loop that would be. What a loop that would be if someone spliced all I got to go under on that. I, I mean, is going that going under on nine wins and, and everyone it, wants him to have a breakout bounce back year. Okay. Well, what are you going to say? Are, if he goes over nine wins, you and I are both buying Keiko jerseys. I'm going with at least a jersey, <laughs> not maybe not a full on jersey, maybe the jersey. I'm going with um, the asterisks of. He's not even going to qualify to even be in the conversation because he's going to be released by June 1st. Uh, I've okay. got that. Yeah. So, okay. no, I mean, uh, nine's a good number to set it at. Um, I'm going to say over. I'm going to say he's going to have 10 wins. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, then I, I'm going to the grandstand and I'm buying you the jersey. If he's got 10 wins. Okay. I'll walk I'll over wear, there with I'll you. I'll proudly wear that as a trophy. And, and they'll say, Nick, like Norm walking into Cheers. <laughs> and then I'll buy you the jersey. And they'll stop dead in their tracks when they realize it's a Keuchel jersey. They'll be huh? like, huh, Nick, Look at are you, you like feeling your, all right? Like Southpaw, your dog looks yeah. at yeah. you. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, all right, let's go, uh, let's go team MVP. 
Uh, who do you have for team this MVP? One. This one last year was Yohan Mankata uh, yeah. for me. Uh, this year, uh, it, that is a a really fantastic question. Um, I am going to go uh, my MVP. I'm going to go Yaz as my MVP for, for wow. a couple of reasons. Wow. One, uh, if he is healthy, right, with the knee and feeling really good, we know what he can. We saw what he did in that, like, really short stint when he was feeling good and the ball was just jumping off his bat and he's depositing in right field numerous times. And I think he's really going to, you know, step up in terms of, you know, commanding this he's going to have to be the guy right to to kind of navigate this pitching staff through some of these injuries and we know he's going to get on base so a, a guy that a lot of people aren't going to talk about unless you know he's been these discussions on twitter where is, is he a good catcher or not a good catcher and uh, i'm going to go yasmani grandal is my my team mvp wow. uh, mvp it's not a bad choice, but it, Luis Robert is going to be your team MVP. He's he might even be the AL MVP. Uh, he you it know, didn't go say ahead. best player. It, you said most valuable. That's how I look okay. at it. I, I right. need the mo- my most valuable player okay. to be Yasmani Grandal from from all aspects of that is being a catcher and oh, well, being the offensive juggernaut yeah, that he can be. If you're if you're if you're framing it that way, then then it's Tim Anderson. You know, okay. I mean, he's got it. He's got it. Tim Anderson. Th- this is how the team's going to go, you know, which is why it's again, it's such a bummer that he is suspended for the first two games, which is so ridiculous. Um, but OK, I'm, I'm going Robert. Now, uh, let's talk Cy Young. Does a White Sox pitcher get in the top three in voting? Do you think there is a White Sox pitcher that goes into the top three of Cy Young voting or potentially even goes ahead and wins the Cy Young? We have talked Cy Young last year with, like, as we mentioned, Lucas Giolito. There's lots of chatter out there about Dylan Cease. Um, I, I will say, I will say yes. I, I, I yes, I'll just say yes. Yeah. And I'm not going to explain myself. You don't uh-huh. have to. You, you don't. <laughs> I, you don't have to assign. I just was wondering if, if we'll get a pitcher in the conversation in the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I feel like, I feel like we really have a chance between Giolito and Cease. Um, I think, I think there might even be a Cy Young winner, you know? Um, okay. I just, I feel, I feel it with Giolito. What are the odds I, Dallas Keuchel wins the Cy Young? You know, look what, that they, up and let's put, uh, let's put a small wager on that Yeah, I, with, <laughs> with his 10 wins that he has. I wonder what the odds are on that. That would be... <laughs> That would be something else. That would be definitely more than a jersey. Uh, that would be, you know, that would be the South Side jersey, a road and home. We'd be lighting um, up cigars with hundred dollar bills if we cashed in on that ticket, Nick. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, does Gavin Sheets make it through the year? Meaning, will he be traded? Will he be packaged up? Do you see him maybe dangled at the trade deadline? Mm. Well, it, it, he's, he's an interesting uh, person in terms of, of value, right? If you have, if you have a team out there now, with especially the larger pool with the DH in both the national league and the American league, he becomes a lot more valuable to more teams. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it's hard because I like, I just, he's, he seems like a likable kid, right? And he's got a lot of power and he's left-handed. Um, Boy, I, 
if they're right, but nobody's untouchable, right, Nick? Mm -hmm. If there's the right thing out there that fulfills a need for us, yes, you've got an asset that you're not, don't have future plans for. Yes, go ahead and move that. I would much rather be a, uh, you know, a Jake Berger to me because he's more of a guy without a position. I think that as things unfold and move along into the future here, you're going to have a spot for Gavin Sheets, whether it's DH or, or first base when, you know, Abreu eventually is, is no longer in that spot. So I, again, that's where, where I would rather go, but uh, yeah, I could see it happening. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know where his at bats are going to come. I don't know where his playing time is going to come. I think he'll platoon a little bit at DH. Um, I don't really see him playing a lot of right field at all. Not, not mm-hmm. with the addition of Pollock. I don't see that happening. Maybe some first base, maybe some DH, but um, he's the guy in my mind to watch. Um, I don't think he makes it through the year. I, I think he gets packaged up uh, at the trade deadline as we're looking for an extra arm uh, for yeah. sure for the stretch. Um, okay. Uh, let's talk. Uh, I guess we'll talk place in the AL central, which I think is, I don't even know if we have to discuss it. I think we're both on very much on that. The Sox will repeat as AL central champions. Uh, what about a record? You know, this is always a, a, a tough one, uh, parsing some wins, uh, you know, what's the difference between 94 wins and 97, but do you mm-hmm. have a number in mind? I think this is a 95 win team, Nick. We won what night was it? 92 last year of memory. 93, 93 wins. Yeah. Are we two games better than, than last year? Probably. Um, I would, I would think we are, but I don't think we're, you know, seven wins better than we were last year. I don't think this is a hundred win team. Um, it's hard to win a hundred games. It's hard to stay healthy throughout an entire season, have everything go your way. Uh, I just, I, I think it's more of a 95 win team, which is great. You know, I, I'm mm-hmm. don't, don't get me wrong. And it should be enough to win this division. It just, will it be enough to get, uh, you know, where we want to be in the playoffs in terms of whether it's that buy or whether it's home field advantage, whatever it is, uh, it's going to be tough in this American league. That's a very, very tough league to be in right now. Uh, but not so much the central. Uh, right. we, we should be able to handle the central fairly well. Um, you know, talking to Joey Christopoulos last night, you and I were, were pitched the idea of 98 wins. I, I thought maybe around your number, but now I'm thinking, you know what? I'll put it at 97. I, I could see this. You're just going to go one. Yeah. You know what? I thought about it. I've had 24 hours to think about it. And now uh, I say 97. Uh, just go 98. Uh, just the, put your put your marbles out on the table, Nick. Fine. And tell fine. me that you can All give right. me one more win. All right. I apologize to Joey, who I I, I did not give him the 98 satisfaction you text yesterday. Him after this and um, tell him you're um, sorry. I, I could see it. I could see it being 90. I could see okay. five, five wins better okay. than last year. Uh, but I'm more comfortable at 97. If you wouldn't mind, let me be just at 97. Okay, I'll um, let you stay there, but right. you're a coward. All right. <laughs> um, okay, here's here's the ultimate one, Pat. This is the last one here for predictions. Um, how far does this Chicago White Sox team go this year? How far do they go? Well, um, well, my heart says that this is a World Series team. Whether they win it or not, I think is you know, we'll just, we'll see how the the chips fall when they get there. But I think this is a team ready to take the next step. I think this is why you brought in Tony La Russa is for this moment. Um, Maybe last year was uh, 
the moments were a little bit too big for this team. I don't know. It, it's a lot of the what they experienced last year was still new. I mean, the, the year they made the playoffs was still in a COVID year. You didn't have one home field game, and there was no crowds. It was a different experience. I don't think they handled it very well. I didn't know, think they knew what to expect even still from having a little bit of a taste of the playoffs. I think now this is a time when this team really looks to take the next step. They know what it feels like. They know the expectations. And they've got a manager that knows how to get them to that next step. So I'll say this is a at least World Series. Uh, uh, this is AL pennant winning team. Yeah, I, I've been saying it for for a while this off season, and I, I really believe. You know, we're not talking division title. We're not even talking winning a series in the postseason. Uh, for me. Uh, it, this has to be a, they, they have to win the AL pennant. They, they've got to get to the world series. And, and I actually think they can do it. I think mm -hmm. they can win the AL pennant. Now, again, health is always the big question mark. You know, if they lose another arm or God forbid, uh, Anderson goes out for two months or, you know, who knows? Uh, well, that's going to change things. But if this team can stay relatively healthy and we can get Robert and Jimenez and Anderson, if they could play over 140 games, you know, 145, maybe 150, that's a lot. Um, this team can win the pennant. I really yep. believe that because um, I do think, you know, pitching pitching's going to be uh, – we'll, we'll see what our pitching is after the first couple months. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to wait to judge too much on pitching maybe until June, but I am a little worried about pitching, but I'm, I'm feeling good about the bullpen. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I, I think this this is a World Series bound team. And you're and we're not going to be the only team that experiences some arm issues early on in the year. A lot of teams are with this short. Regardless of what people say, oh, this was great. You know, we didn't need this much of a spring training, and it was fine. A lot of teams are going to experience arm issues, Nick. You know it. So it's not going to be like we're we're the only team that's going to have to. Uh, work those work our way through the, some of those challenges. Yeah, uh, Pat, very excited man for this season. Uh, I'll be with you uh, at the home opener. We'll be we'll be at the game, um, and I you know I hope to meet uh, you know some listeners out at the stadium. I, we've mm -hmm. got some plans for some tailgates in Lot B uh, throughout the year. Uh, a lot of great stuff um, that potentially can go down uh, in support of a very fun, exciting club. Yes, it will be. It's finally here, Nick, right? It, this is what we've been waiting for. We've, we've done a lot of shows, uh, through some, through the lockout, through the winter, through, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, ups and downs. And, and now we're, we're back into the time of optimism and this team is going to be really exciting with, with all the stuff that we talk about, the things they did wrong and didn't do, or the moves that weren't made. This is still one hell of a team. We're talking about somewhere between you and I, uh, a 95 and 97 win team. And it should be a hell of a lot of fun throughout this season. Uh, folks, thank you so much for uh, joining us uh, here on this podcast. You can find the Good Guys Talk Back podcast everywhere you find your podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter at Good Guys TV. We've got a Facebook fan page. Uh, pass this along to other Sox fans in your life. Uh, this is our fourth season, and we can't thank you enough for the continued uh, support. For Pat Hester, I am Nick Morowski. Until next time, go Sox!